Syria Ah fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Corv Americans. This is Marco here back with Matt Arrington of Arrington Training and Development, a soccer training company located in the DC metro area. What's up, Matt? How you doing? Doing good. Happy to be back. Thanks for having me. I have to remind the Corv Americans that you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's at Corv America, all one word. You can also find our podcast now on asroma360.com. So get out there, subscribe, rate, and comment. Don't forget, Matt's already done. Isn't that right, Matt? Yeah. I. Uh, that's actually pretty awesome. You guys are featured on their website? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Good so stuff. make sure all your kids get on there and subscribe. So today we are lucky enough to have Matt back to talk about his recent trip to Italy where he spent a week shadowing coach Roberto Breda of Serie A outfit Virtus Entella. In that time, he got to see the team prepare and then play against Vicenza and Bari, both ex-Serie A teams. If you're wondering who Virtus Entella is, here's a quick summary. Virtus Entella is a small football club based in Chiavari, a small town of 28,000 inhabitants in the province of Genoa. Is that right, Entella? Is that how you say it? Yeah, I mean, you say it a lot better than I do. So, uh, yeah, you're pretty spot on. We'll go with that. It's been a while since I've been out of the home country. I'm going to be back in about a month, but i got to sharpen up for sure. And I'm sure that you uh, got to sharpen up your Italian skills while you were over there. I had 10 days of no English. My brain was fried on about day six. There you go. So, anyways, as I was saying, the team was founded in 1914 as Football Club Entela. Named after the river Entella, and in 2001, the team went bankrupt. But it was refounded in 2002 as U.S. Valle Sturla Entella, and in 2010, renamed to Virtus Entella after being admitted into Lega Pro 2nd Division. By 2014, the team made its debut in Serie A, only to be relegated, losing in the playoffs against Cremonese. However, lucky for Virtus Intela and unlucky for Italian Calcio's reputation, Catania was relegated to Lega Pro for fraud, thus readmitting Virtus Intela back into Serie B. Thank you, Wikipedia. So this season, the Diavoli Neri, or the Black Devils, they're also called the Bianco Celesti, which is the sky blue and white. And actually, that's ironic. If if you've been following the racism scandal from uh, the other team from Rome's Stefan Lulich, or Ratlich, as we like to call him on the pod. So, Entela is sitting in 8th place, uh, which means they are actually still in the promotion picture for Serie A. And uh, for those of you who don't know what the promotion is like in Serie B, basically, the top 3 teams are promoted to Serie A. And the first two teams have an automatic bid, while the third place team is battled out for in a six-team playoff. Again, Entela's an eighth, and it's a tight race. So, Matt, you know these are exciting times for a small Virtus Entela, a team that has a stadium capacity of our local high school, and who has never seen action in Serie A. What's the atmosphere like within the club itself? 
It's it's um, it's very much like a community. Um, it's very much like a local community club. So I mean, it, it's kind of funny you comparing comparing the stadium to a high school because it's it's almost like you would see it like a like a high school football game in Texas or something. You know, a few thousand people coming out all from the town. They all know each other. You know, it's not twenty thousand people. It's five or six or seven or whatever you said. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's amazing to see everybody come out. Everyone knows each other. It's very cool. That's awesome, man. And uh, before I forget, I, I know that uh, our our dude Chris Ross, the boss, he loves to do this, uh, you know, featured drink of the pod. And today we are drinking New Belgian Day Blazer. It's an easygoing ale, and as you mentioned, it's not really doesn't taste like beer. It just tastes like carbonated uh, goodness. Yeah, it tastes like cheap. Yeah, well, it it tastes more than that now. All right, we're good. So uh, I guess uh, cheers to that, and uh, we can't hear it, but we are cheersing cheers. with cans. Anyways, I want to talk about this opportunity that you had to basically shadow this uh, City of B coach, and he's had a ton of experience. Uh, I just want to know what your normal day was like while you were over there, a.k.a. the life of a professional City of B coach. And to the listeners, I mentioned it earlier, but Matt got to shadow Roberto Breda for a week, and this guy's played at the highest levels in Italy. He's won a pair of Coppa Italias and a UEFA Cup Winners Cup, and he has already coached six teams. And he's, despite him being pretty young, I mean, he's 48, but anything under 50 is pretty young for a professional coach. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, tell me about that experience. Uh, you know, I could I could go on and on with you because it was it was kind of a bizarre week. In terms of the scheduling, um, it's kind of an abnormal week for them since they had two games in one week. Uh, so the training schedule is a little bit different than it would be if they basically played, you know, the usual Sunday Sunday. Um, I showed up. I met them in Vicenza for that game. I went directly there, met them at the hotel. Uh, I got there in the evening, had dinner with the team, caught up with the staff, caught up with Breda. Uh, obviously slept there the night. Woke up the next morning. Uh, team was very low key on the day of the game. Uh, you know, breakfast with the team, lunch with the team, pregame meal, and then that evening, you know, on the team bus to the stadium, through the town, the whole bit. Uh, from there, back to the hotel, another night in Vicenza, the morning after, back to Entella on the bus. The guys who didn't play in that game actually had a scrimmage that afternoon against the Primavera, so the reserve team which was very cool to see in that, you know, that, that whole dynamic as well. Uh, you know, next day, back to training, recovery for the guys who had played, a um, little bit lighter session. Uh, the day after, back to kind of a regular training routine, working on tactics. Um, the day after, a bit of the same thing, getting ready for the game. Um, and it kind of just went on uh, like that, leading into the game against Bari that weekend. It really wasn't a, a, a super high-intensity week just because of the fact that they had these two games. But nevertheless, I mean, it was still a great experience to see that, uh, to see a week like that where they got to kind of tweak things a little bit, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I, I know it, it was kind of a funny week with two games. Uh, I know you have already kind of mentioned that it was a kind of a, a lighter week because of that. Um, but I guess as a coach, right, I, I'd be curious to hear from you what are some things that stood out about the team's preparation? You know, we know this is a Sedia B team, but I mean anything above Sedia 
what Lega Pro or even Lega Pro is. I mean, that's the real stuff, right? Yeah, it's, it's considered professional. Yeah, I mean, what's uh, you played in Italy 10, 10 years ago, less than ten years ago. Are you seeing some of the same stuff that was going on while you were over there? Some of it, yes, but obviously the level of the club kind of means obviously there's there's more money that can be devoted to that. There's better technology. Uh, there's better access um, to dip to various types of equipment. Um, so in that sense, yeah, I definitely saw more. Um, you know, they're they're using. A lot of what, a lot of like what they're doing around the rest of the world and here in the states, using GPS monitoring to measure, you know, guys' workloads, how much they're running, where they're moving, limiting guys in training sessions if need be to make sure they're at 100% come game time. Um, lots of tactical work. That's probably the thing. I mean, obviously, I, I saw bits and pieces of that when I was when I was playing over there and living over there, but seeing it at this level, um, you know, just on the doorstep of Serie A. Mm-hmm. The tactical work is paramount. It's absolutely paramount. Um, so that w- that was really interesting for me to see. It gave me a lot of new ideas in terms of how I see the game, how I'm gonna, you know, develop my education, just, you know, teaching soccer, um, and also just gave me some new ideas of stuff to do here and ways to mix up my training sessions a little bit. Um, definitely fascinating stuff. That's awesome, man. And and uh, you did show me before this interview started that uh, Mr. Breda actually, or Mister, Mister, Mister exactly. hooked you up with a couple books straight out of Coverciano, which is the national team training center and the spot where everybody has to go to get their uh, big national licenses, right? I mean, that's like, what, the it's the Hogwarts of, of <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. coaching over there. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I mean, that's the top of the top. I mean, it's 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 also interesting in terms of that you're touching on the the coaching education part just briefly is I got to discussing that with him a little bit while I was there because he he pulled these books out. And obviously we were talking soccer the whole time. You know, we spent 24 seven, you know, for the entire seven days I was there together. So there was a lot of stuff to talk about in Um, English or Italian. I'm curious. Okay, so I would say 90 percent in Italian. He decided very early on in the week that we were going to speak English in the car. So every car ride in the morning to and from training, um, or if we just happened to drive anywhere, you know, with his family, if we went somewhere out in the evening, whatever, it's only English in the car. So that was his kind of a chance to practice and and pick up some new words and have me correct him on things. Um he was interested in learning language, learning English, learning the language, getting better at it. So I was happy to do that. I let my brain rest for a little bit. There you go. Yeah. Uh, there is one thing that you touched upon, uh, and that was the technology that was being used, even at the Serie B level. Um, you know, again, it, it it does. It's hard to to conceptualize because in the states we have. MLS, everybody just imagines that MLS is the only league that matters. I mean, there's USL and, um, you know, there's uh, NASL, I believe it's, yep. is what it's called. And they're like the lower divisions. But, you know, Serie B in Italy, uh, you know, you got the English Championship mm-hmm. in England. I mean, these things are big time. And yeah. so you're talking about a team from a small town uh, in Entella that's using, you know, 
stuff like uh, you know all the newest technologies. Sure. We had an interview with Tag Bio earlier this year. They do stuff with Roma, and it's all about data analytics. Is this something that's actually being implemented in the lower levels of of uh, Italian calcio right now? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It, you know, obviously, like you just said. It's not Serie A, it's not First Division, but it's still big business, and it's also a big investment, you know, so they're not going to pinch any pennies on things that can get them promoted to that First Division, get them promoted to Serie A. They want to do anything possible, and if and if using this technology um, of any sort, whether it's GPS tracking, whether it's, you know, moder- monitoring, you know, certain levels, they, they've got to, they've got to use it. Because the opportunity reward at the end of the tunnel, if they get promoted, is just so big that obviously it's worth the investment at that point. You know, so yeah, you're seeing it there. You're seeing it there too. That's awesome. So you know, we, we so you basically got to spend a week talking soccer, shadowing the coach. I'm curious. You know, we play in the same men's league team. I know you're still in good shape. Uh, did you get to play with the guys at all? Did you get to? Test your skills out. Maybe start warming up for the men's league season. First off, I appreciate that. There you the, go. Uh, uh, no, the answer is no. The answer is no. And and I I joked about it briefly with them, kind of you know the day after the game against Vicenza, where they're coming back and they were uh, going to play against the reserves, and uh, they're trying to figure out who was going to play where, who was you know basically who was available from the first team to play against the reserves. I was like, oh, you know, if you need someone, you know, like, let me know. And they're like, haha, yeah, but no. Yeah. I mean, it's it's professional. It is not a joke. And you know, they they weren't being mean or rude about it by any means, you know. But they were. You realize, like, no, no, no. This is business. This is these guys have to come in and do a job. They're gonna play for sixty minutes. They're gonna be on the field the entire time to keep their you know fitness up. So no, there was no no talk of me stepping on the field and putting my shoes on. Imagine if you would get on and just injure somebody too. Oh, go home. I would go home immediately. Yep. So I know you talked about the youth team a couple times, the Primavera. I imagine that you were probably very interested in that. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that was um, when we had spoken previously, Breda and I, before I went over there, um, he was kind of outlining you know, or getting an idea of what I wanted to do while I was there, or what I wanted to see. Um, he was very much pushing for me to come a week where they had where they had a more normal week, like I was saying previously. Game on Sunday, regular week of training, game on Sunday, you know, instead of this weird week where it was like a game on Tuesday, a couple of days of training, game on Saturday. Um, but in, in essence, that week was what panned out. But Above and beyond all that stuff we talked about, you know, obviously I work with youth players in the area. I wanted to go see what their academy was doing, you know, um, from the youngest ages, from, from, you know, 10 and 11 up until, you know, the Primavera, their reserve team, which is mostly kids who are, you know, around 19, 20 years old. So I went and watched some of the sessions from their academy, saw their U11s and their U13s, um, and it was it was exceptional stuff. I mean, it, again, it's not something that's mind blowing, but it's something you look at and you go, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. You know, why don't we do more of that uh, here in the states? Um, we have a tendency to focus a lot here on, you know, we're, I'm generalizing, but we have a we have a tendency to focus a lot on, oh, you know, young ages, we got really got to focus on technique. We got to teach them technique. 
good fundamentals. Control the ball, pass the ball, dribble well, all this kind of stuff. But over there, they're starting at a very young age of beginning to teach tactical elements. And you know well, just like anybody who really follows a game, that Italy, if they're known for anything, it's tactics. And they really started young over there. It's not complicated. It's basic. It's elementary. But they're starting that process, teaching kids about positional roles, teaching kids about spacing, um, where to move and win. And that's not really something, again, at least from what I see often, that gets addressed at the younger ages. A lot of times I approach older players and they don't, you don't have a clue. You know, they don't have a clue where to be when or how to move or, you know, certain tactical elements of the game. So that was definitely interesting to see and something I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's. I think we touched upon this last time as well, but I love using the analogy of, um, you know, Americans watching football and basketball. You know, like when you've watched enough of a sport and you you've been you've had enough exposure to it, you absorb things. Mm-hmm. And so, if you play pickup basketball, if you play pickup football, you, you have some sort of an understanding of what the right movement is, the wrong movement. A lot of kids didn't grow up playing watching soccer in the U in the US at least you know up till now now it's there's more exposure as well you know especially the EPL but the importance of 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 ingraining movement and tactics in people's in in people's heads when they're younger so that they can you know eventually grow into their bodies and you know understand primarily where to be and what to do in the head you know cuz like if you're just used to doing stuff with your feet and you know you you think that that translates to the bigger picture it's much more difficult if you don't have a, a solid foundation again we didn't grow up i mean we watched a lot of soccer but sure. a lot of people played soccer and didn't watch it and so they didn't have a good understanding of where to be they could take they could trap the ball but they didn't yeah. know where to run yeah. you know so it's it's super important and, and that's it's great to hear i mean we knew that's what was going on in Italy, but it's just it's interesting to hear that every time it's it's the thing that stands out. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, and and then watching the first team's training sessions, you know, with Breda running them, and there were there were so many elements of his training where it wouldn't necessarily be a walkthrough per se or like shadow play, which is what you know the U.S. Soccer Federation wants us all to call it now. Um, but it was like a lot of just sequences. You know, he would play, you know, he'd put a guy in goal, a keeper in goal, and then he would basically play 10 versus 0, or with the keeper in there, 10 versus 1, right? Um, or he would go 6 versus 0 or 1. He'd go, you know, 4 versus 0, just the keeper. Um, and just not necessarily putting cones down and saying, you know, here's your starting position, okay, play. No cones, but. You know, 10 guys on the field versus one keeper, ball in play, pinging the ball around quick, bump, 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 combining, creating chances to goal, and just developing a rhythm and a tempo within the team. And it's like, you know what? I asked him about it because I was like, we don't, we don't, I, I, I don't do that. I mean, I haven't really seen any coaches do that. There's always some sort of opposition or there's always lots of stoppages because it's a walkthrough. You know, you're trying to address certain tactical elements. But he was very much like, he was like, no, we have to focus obviously on being in the right positions, 
you know, being intelligent in that sense, but also developing a rhythm in how we play, a tempo, you know, and you don't always need opposition for that. You need to let the guys get the patterns that they create ingrained in their head. And then we can start to drop in a little bit of opposition here and there. So he would stick, you know, maybe like three defenders in the middle of the field. So then it would be a 10 versus three, you know, on the field plus the goalie. Um, and maybe progress up above that a little bit more, but he really wanted to, to obviously favor that attacking group for these sessions specifically um, and let him develop a rhythm, like I said. It, it was really fascinating. It's stuff that I've now started to kind of try to implement slowly into our team because I think it's really beneficial now that I've seen it. So good stuff. Yeah, that's, that's really good stuff. So moving out of the discussion of training, uh, again, you said it was a little bit of a slow week because there was two games. And the first game was against Vicenza, uh, and that was an away game. Uh, so you guys traveled to an away stadium against a team who is not necessarily doing very well, but it's still, you know, could be considered a hostile environment. Uh, well, not hostile, but you know, it was you're an away game, and there's away fans, so there's pressure. Um, how was that game? Sure, it was. Uh, I th- I think you put it exactly as it was. I think you described it well because. It absolutely. I think any away game at that level is a hostile environment. Um, beautiful old stadium. You know, you and I both know that, that Italy isn't known for its for its modern, you know, state of the art stadiums. They're all a little rustic and a little a little beat up. And that was definitely Vicenza Stadium. Um, really compact. Probably held about fifteen or twenty thousand people. Um, great ultra section. You know, behind one of the goals. Who was who were chanting and, and you know waving their flags and lighting their flares the whole game? Um, it was raining, so it was it was a tough game to go and play away. And they went down. I think they went down one zero initially, um, and then tied it, and then went down two one, and then tied it at two two off just an incredible blunder by the by Vincenzo's goalkeeper and their center back where a ball just literally got just booted up in the air to nobody straight up in the air in the middle of the box there's not a single player from Intella near the ball and I mean just clear miscommunication the center back jumps up to head it for no reason really keeper comes out to collect it with his hands and they basically ran into each other nicked off one of them and just rolled into the goal uh, and it was one of those games where I was talking to Breda afterwards and I was, you know, I kind of keep my mouth shut. I know it's after a game. It's it's emotional. There's a lot going on. So I didn't want to bug him. But he kind of looked at me and was just like, eh, you know, we'll take it. A point away like that, uh, we'll take it. That's a good point. And again, it shows you the level. It's right. like you don't go in there and go, oh, we didn't play well. Oh, we, we didn't play the way we wanted to. You know, we didn't get the win. You look at it in perspective, you say, ah, we weren't really the better team today. This was a tough environment. It was pouring rain out. Field is soaking wet. We're away from home, but we got a point. So we'll, we'll take that. That's good for us. There you go. You know, Another life lesson learned. Um, but then you got to do this. The second game was against Body. It was at home. It was against a team that is, like I mentioned earlier, a point ahead of uh, Entella in the playoff race I mean must have been a big one and uh, I'll let you describe it but you know how were the fans how was the atmosphere you know and at that point when they I mean right now 
it's a point difference, right? right? That's right. And when they played, Intella was in 10th, and they were in 5th. And, I mean, Bari is a team that's that's been up and down in Serie A recently, you know, just in the last five five or six or years or so. Um, so they've actually made this big push this year in particular that I was being told about while I was there. Where they've invested in loads of talent. Um, actually, Floro Flores, is, they signed him, the center forward who was with Udinese. Yeah, before. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, I think he was with Chievo also. So I, mean, I think he played for Sassuolo maybe as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the Sassuolo. He's been all over the place. He's a journeyman. But, I mean, he's been in Serie A for a long time. Uh, there's also Greco is over there. Who was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ex-Roma. Um, Leandro. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was actually, when I trained that one day with the uh, Primavera, with the Roma, before I signed with, you know, with the team I was with in Italy... He was still on the reserve team at that point. So that's like one of those guys I look at it and I was like, yeah. Yeah, I trained with that What's guy. What's up, man? What's up, man? You remember me? Yeah, no chance. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that was, a, that was a massive, massive win. It was a massive game because, obviously, they're trying to pick up points on the guys who were in front of them. Um, the pre-match preparation was, you know, I mean, basically, like, when I got in the car with Breda from, you know, his place where we were staying... It was pretty quiet on the car ride over there. I mean, it was like, and again, like I said, I get it. You know, I I didn't want to bother him. I didn't want to talk. I just want to kind of let him do his thing and focus on the day. It was a very quiet car ride. Got to the stadium, straight to business. Um, looking at videos of the other of body set pieces. You know, looking at you know doing scouting reports and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I went up to my seat in the stands. They went to their pregame talk. Oh, I was actually with them for their pregame talk. But then I went up to the stands. They went out on the field, got their stuff going. Stadium, again, small, but packed. You know, packed. Everyone from the town was there to see it. Bunch of traveling body supporters, by the way. Lots of them. Big flags, flares, the whole bit. And again, you know, it's it's not, you know, it's not AC Milan. It's not 40,000 people in the stadium. It's like six or eight. But it's still, it's, I mean, it's an incredible feeling. Yeah. It's the intensity and the passion from those from those fans is just at a different level. It feels like 40,000 people, you know? Some people might even argue that they like it, you know, even more, you know? I mean, you get that. You just, it's all about your town. It's, yeah. You know, I mean, like AC Milan and Inter and Juve are a conglomeration of players from around the world. Sure, sure. Um. But, like, here, it's mostly Italian players, you know. It's, like, a bunch of players from around the area. It's just, uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of pride, a lot of pride. It's 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 such a cool thing to see. Yeah. Especially with a club like this, which, you know, we should note, and something that, that you know, Breda and the staff and the, uh, you know, everyone who was working there told me was, this is a club that was in fifth or even sixth division just ten years ago. Right. I mean that that's insane. I mean, and now they're they're knocking on the door of Serie A. And I was actually asking Brad, I was like, well, you know, hypothetically, you know, knock on what if you all were get to get promoted, I mean, what would you all have to do here to like catch up with certain regulations and rules of Serie A? Like you can't play in a stadium this small. And basically he was like, Well, we have to get to it's something like a at least a fifteen or twenty thousand seat capacity, right? You know, within a couple of years. So after your first season in Serie A, you have to have built at least five or added five thousand seats, and then the year following, if you're in there a second year, hopefully, 
you have to add another 5,000 seats, and you have to be on track, you know, to do that. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, there's a couple. There's a lot of pieces like that that go into it. There's a couple instances of teams that uh, I think say like Crotone had to play. They were using somebody's stadium. I forget off the top of my head yeah, right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's there was there was other instances. I believe Genoa or Sampdoria years a couple years back. Uh, they couldn't go to Europa League because of their stadium, but I don't. Sure, I'm not sure if that was for capacity or just it had to be up to uh, you know UEFA standards. So that is obviously in, another factor, and that's the cool one of the cool parts about a small town. It's like yeah. it it just forces them to grow. Mm-hmm. All right, so that kind of you know puts a bow on top of uh, the whole Serie B. Uh, you know your week with Breda. I think that that really seemed like it was an awesome experience um by the way matt got to be you know hang out with the coach and his family for a week uh you know you got some home-cooked meals in there i think we were talking about this earlier uh what was your 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 favorite dish since you were in a small town in italy and we know that that is what small town italy's uh small towns in italy are known for you know, it's his his wife is gonna kill me if I don't remember the name of this dish. And right now, I'm forgetting the name of it because she specifically asked me. She was like, "Oh, you know, what do you what do you want?" You know, I was getting home cooked meals. It was exceptional. She was like, "You know, what do you want for lunch today?" And it was basically a choice between you know some generic you know pasta with red sauce or like this specific Genovese type of of ravioli this dish that's that's really uh, you know at, at the heart of of genoa and i forget what the name is and she's gonna kill me but it was this it was this exceptional type of ravioli with uh, like a, a cream sauce with pine nuts mixed into it it was it was exceptional oh my it was God. absolutely exceptional um aside from that uh one one of the things i had with the uh, after training one day was breda over at the club uh I guess the club restaurant or cafeteria was uh, just like this simple. Um, I don't even know if they have it in the states. It's like a type of like brown. It's not like a rice. I can't think of the name of it. It's like a grain. It's like a grain. Yeah. I know you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. What's it called? Uh, it starts in the F, I think. Something f- ferro. Yeah. Okay. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Just that with like a really nicely made pesto sauce. So basic, so simple. It was incredible. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the best part when it's simple and it tastes amazing. Um, one last thing I wanted to talk about, you know, kind of uh, circling back to Breda and his past accomplishments. When he was at Sampdoria, he had his biggest successes, he, at least trophy-wise, um, during his time playing there. He also played at Parma, by the way, uh, when Buffon and Cannavaro and Veron were over there. So this guy has a history. And when he went, you guys went to go see Pescara play, or I'm sorry, Sampdoria play against Pescara in the VIPs. How was that experience? And, uh, you know, how bad is Pescara? They're, they are my my chosen oh, yeah. uh, weak team uh, for the podcast. But I, I can definitely say that they've been uh, a bit disappointing this season. Well, I'll, how about this? I'll start with Pescara. And the reason why is because... Uh, Zdenek Zeman is our head coach, and Zeman is 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 a legend in, in Italy. I believe he's Serbian. 
I believe he's from Serbia. Um, I might need to be checked on that. But he basically, he came into coaching in, in Italy, I mean, who knows, what, 30 or 40 years ago or something, and he changed the game. He was known for innovative training methods. He was known for innovative innovative physical fitness methods. I mean, this this, this stuff that kind of revolutionized soccer in Italy. Um, so it was actually kind of kind of really cool to go see him coach because I've read a lot about him. You know, I've watched his documentary, uh, Zemlandia, which is on, you can find it on YouTube. Um, and I've just, you know, he used to coach Roma the whole bit. But man, his team was brutal to watch because he still plays the same way that he did 30 or 40 years ago. 11 players behind the ball, deep behind the ball, uh, packing it in. And then when they win it, forward as quickly as possible. So you win it, play the six foot five, you know, uh, Eastern European forward that's up front, and just run. So I mean, you knew what you were looking for, and it was actually really interesting to see it live and in person. Uh, so I really enjoyed that aspect. In terms of Sampdoria and Breda, he actually, we had, he had mentioned uh, before I went over there. He was like, yeah, you know. He's like, I live in Genoa. Sampdoria and Genoa obviously play in Genoa. Um, he's like, if if we can find the time, let's go check out a game or a training session. You know, I'll call some of the some of the people that I know over there. I was, of course, like, yeah, great, that'd be awesome. So the week went by. Saturday came closer, and he was like, you know, he's like, we play against Bari at three. Sampdoria plays against Pescara at six. Like, maybe we can get to that game immediately after the game against Bari and get there, you know, somewhere close to halftime. And I was like, nah, you know, you don't have to do that. You got to do your press conference afterwards. You got to come down from the game, the whole bit. And he was like, no, 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 it's fine. So he called up, you know, somebody he knows over there at Sampdoria. Basically said, hey, I need two tickets. No problem. So after the game against Bari ended on a high note, um, we sped over to back to Genoa. Went to the stadium, um, sat in the section right next to the president section, which is actually a section that's specifically for opposition scouts. So basically these are scouts from other teams that are coming and watching how each team is playing, scouting out, you know, uh, you know, whatever, set pieces, tactical movements, certain players, that kind of stuff in preparation for future games against those teams, uh, which again... You know, I thought it was pretty cool. They had a specific section for those guys. Um, Halftime, half we went down into you know the VIP section right below the stadium, and and they had a they had a, a a spread of food like you wouldn't believe. I mean, we're not talking like you go to FedEx Field and you get like chicken tenders and French fries and buffalo wings <laughs> and like anything fried you could ever imagine. I mean, this was like you know prosciutto like salami i mean beautifully cooked pasta like exceptional desserts i mean like going to a nice italian restaurant but this is like oh you know this is what we do all the time it was incredible so so we ate a ton of food at halftime went back up watched the second half of the game um i was asking him 800 questions you know just trying to soak up as much knowledge from him as i possibly could uh, I mean, it, it was incredible. Just being in that stadium, Sampdoria, that stadium is, is exceptional. I think it's the Luigi Ferraris. Yeah, Luigi Ferraris. That's yeah. what it was. That's what it was. I mean, it's just beautiful. 
I've seen it on TV for you know since I was a little kid. Yeah, with the big columns. Yeah, man, yeah, it's very yeah. cool. By the way, uh, quick fact check over here. We we have Fabio. He followed us all the way over from DC. Um, Zaman is Czech. Czech. Uh, and you there said we go. Serbian, but excuse me, doesn't excuse me doesn't really change anything. He hasn't changed his playing his coaching <laughs> style in, in years anyway. So. That uh, that pretty much wraps it up for for the, your little experience over in in Genoa. So I think uh, I would be reminisce if I if I didn't ask a couple Serie A questions now because uh, I think this Sampdoria game was maybe a the perfect transition. Absolutely. So when I was re-listening to our interview before meeting back up last time, it was towards the beginning of the season, and now we're actually closing in on the final stretch. It was Juve then, and Juve still on top now. What do you think? Is it going to be uh, Juve at the end of the season? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's. I mean, I mean, yeah. Do we really need to talk about it? We don't. And I just, I, I had to, I had to put out. It was a generic question. It was just going to be basically a transition point. Okay. Uh, because the more interesting story from Juve's side is, can they actually beat out Barca? Uh, and oh, if yeah. they do, are they the favorites to win it all for the Champions League? I mean, should we even talk about the Barca PSG game? Because that was the game seen around the world. That was absurd. That was absurd. Yeah. I mean, I guess everyone was kind of saying before the game, like, ah, it's not going to happen. But if there's any team that can do it, them. it's them. And then they did it. And you kind of didn't know whether if you're looking at, you know. If you're looking at, wow, Barca, that was unbelievable. Or you're looking at PSG and you're like, what happened? If you're watching the Mighty Ducks. Oh, dude, it was awful. But, I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard to it, – it, well, no, we don't need to talk about Barca PSG. We could we could do a whole other podcast on that. I won't get started. That's right. So, I guess the question is um, – and, you know, we've I mentioned this in the podcast. Barca's at home on the second leg again. So, oh, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like anything can happen. I think that Juve can can do it. I mean, they have the defense that PSG does not. Uh, they just have to play a super smart two-legged tie because yeah. I mean, if you don't if you don't take this thing serious, you can be up ten goals in the first game and and for you know get eleven goals scored against you in the new camp. So uh, what do you think, man? Do you think that Juve has the team or the defense and the tactics to be able to beat out Barcelona? I wouldn't put my money on it, but yeah. I mean, again, I mean, all these teams are there for a reason, right? I mean, all these teams have made it this far for a reason. Um, They've got a game plan. They've stuck to it. They've been successful with it. I mean... Juve is going to be probably a little different than what Barca has seen in recent games just because, you know, Juve's going to defend with five in the back. You know, they're going to be more disciplined and more organized. They're not going to come out like PSG thinking they can play more or less, thinking they can play Barca straight up. Um, it's it's going to be a little bit of a different dynamic. You know, it's going to be like big games like this that Barca have lost in the past, in my opinion, have been against teams who have come in with a plan to whatever it may be, to sit back and defend, um, to counter, to close up space, and they've stuck to it. I think Juve's can do that. Juve, Juve, the thing about Juve that we all know is they just have a different mentality, at least than any other team in Italy. 
They show up with a job to do. They're committed to do it. And usually they win. So, like I said, if there's anyone that can do it, it's Juve. If it's not Juve, then I, I don't know who's going to stop them. Yeah. Yeah, well, the other the other massive tie is, is uh, Real Madrid-Bayern. So those are yeah, the other yeah. two teams. And then the last question of the interview here is... What has been the bigger surprise this season? Atalanta vying for Champions League spot or Empoli not being in the relegation zone? Both are surprising. <laughs> uh, definitely, I would definitely go with Atalanta. Atalanta surprised everybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone's talking about Frank Kessie and how he's playing and how he's going to get sold for God knows how much money You know, at the end of this season. He's been exceptional. Uh, I, think, I think Gasparini has done an exceptional job with that team. Um you watch them play and they're they're you know they're enjoyable to watch but they're also like your typical italian team they're organized they're intelligent they they stick to their defensive duties uh and Gessie being a special player like he is he gives him a little bit of life in the middle of that field yeah where he can he can flip a game on his head you know that's right so. not, not to mention papu gomez alejandro papu. gomez yeah. this guy uh these two players are probably going elsewhere at the end of the season oh absolutely and probably you yeah. Probably Juve. And hopefully Atalanta can uh, end up in Champions League because that would, uh, I think they're everybody's Cinderella story at this point. Yeah, kind of like Sassuolo was. Yeah, yeah. was. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for the interview. Uh, Matt, again, thanks so much for doing the second interview. Always great talking to you and getting perspective on the Italian game and the game back here at home. Uh, again, Matt works for uh, Arrington Training Academy and they take care of youth soccer development in the dc metro area they're doing a great job but hey one last thing i want to tell you before before this all wraps up funny story so i'm sitting in we're on a car ride me and breda driving back from training uh-huh. okay and we're doing the english thing you know he's he's not bad at english by the way he speaks pretty good english he's he's planning on taking a trip here in the summer uh with his wife might go to new york or something uh and so he's trying to you know, brush up get get good at english so, I was talking to him about how I practice my Italian at home. I told him I listen to Roma Radio. I listen to, you know, various various Italian talk shows or newscasts, whatever I can really, um, just try to keep up. So he's he's scrolling through stuff on the radio, and he's like, "Oh, you should listen to uh, this talk radio show." And they've also got a podcast. So he picks up his phone and he's he's like, "Yeah, this is the podcast, the Rai podcast." He's scrolling through. I'm like, "Oh wait, hold on, hold on." What is that podcast there? And he's like, oh, this one? It's Cool of America. I was like, you got a Cool of America. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, I listened to that. So. No way. I swear. I swear to you, I'm not making this up. You I'm just not, saved this for this very I'm, last I'm, moment. Very last interview. moment. I specifically did not talk to you about this leading up to this interview. Just just to tell you right here this moment. So that is amazing. There may be uh, maybe some people listening out there. You never know. You just made it my day, and I'm sure that's going to make the rest of the uh core of americans very happy especially the podcasters well on that extremely high note uh again want to thank you matt for for taking the time i'm sure we'll uh have a couple more of these as you continue to develop your uh your company and yourself as a coach um guys don't forget to check us out on social media you can find this podcast on itunes soundcloud uh and twitter and Instagram and AS Roma 360 pretty soon hopefully ESPN you know so yeah we'll, why not we'll, we'll, <laughs> why not 
we'll see where uh, where things go. Like like Matt just say, you never know who's listening. But uh, again, Matt, thank you so much. And uh, for Core of America, this is Marco signing out. Ciao. Marco, thanks for having me. Ciao.